All right, good morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, and uh, God, not, not only that, we acknowledge that you are here with us, and thank you. Uh, we worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to uh, sanctify us, mold us, make us, help us, Lord. Um, speak to us today. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we've been talking about the last week of Jesus and really walked through the last week through all four of the Gospels, especially Luke, if you were paying attention. But, um, you know, at, at some point, uh, you know, Jesus has um, died, and we wonder what are his followers, his disciples, the apostles especially, what are they thinking? And then we get a little bit of clue into that. Uh, and then Jesus comes back, and we see their joy. Uh, but we wonder, what are they thinking when he comes back? And, and we get kind of a, a little bit more into that. And then uh, he's, he's died, he's resurrected, he comes back, he reveals himself, and, and we, we get to watch through the testimony uh, in the Scripture their reaction to all of this because uh, we have their account. So the Bible is in two sections. There's the Old Testament, which is the story of God creating the world, choosing a people, promising that the Messiah would come through this people. And then there is the New Testament, and uh, that is when that Messiah, that Savior comes, that is Jesus. And the first four books in the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They are all eyewitness accounts or firsthand surveys of the life of Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus comes back, reveals himself, speaks to them, and then they all watch as he ascends into uh, the, the heavens. And we think, what are they thinking now? Well, what are you thinking? you're in the same boat. Christ has gone. He has gone back to be with the Father, and he says that I will come back one day, and so you're in the same boat as them. So it'd be awesome if we had more writing to tell us, well, what are they thinking now? How do they deal with this section of life where Jesus has come back and revealed himself, but we're still waiting for him? And lucky for you, there is a book. The first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke wrote another book for you. Now, it was not, as, as Pastor Dusty said last week, it, it's not to you. It's for you. But there's another book that Luke wrote, and we call it the book of Acts. And so the book of Acts begins off where the book of Luke left off, and Christ is ascending into the heavens, and angels begin to speak to the apostles, and so this is their, their instruction that they are to wait because Jesus is going to send them someone to help them through this time. This is a difficult time. They got to walk with Jesus for three years, and he warned them the entire time, I'm going to die. He dies, 
And then for three days, they're sort of in like, what happened? Trying to decipher. He comes back, reveals himself. He says, go to Galilee, meet me there. They all go to Galilee and meet him there. And then he says, it's good that I go because I will send someone to you. And then he leaves. He says, wait for me. Now, from the time Jesus dies, okay, until what we're about to pick up on, there is 50 days, okay? There's 50 days. So for 40 of those days, Christ will just come and reveal himself to someone, not everyone all at once, but to someone, at one point to over 500 people. But then after a period of 40 days after he dies, he's done, he ascends back to heaven, and the disciples have to wait for 10 days. Now during that 10 days, they replace Judas, one of the 12, who betrayed Jesus and then hung himself, and they replace him, but now they're just kind of in waiting. They're doing what Jesus said, and they're in waiting. And I'm going to take you into that section, that is Acts chapter 2. He said, wait for me, and so they wait, okay? And then we get to a day, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, stop there because Pentecost is uh, the celebration of the barley harvest, okay? And it is 50 days after Passover. That's where you get Penta. And they're just chilling out, hanging out. They're waiting. He said wait, so they waited. And it took 10 days. Now for many of them, some of them may not have seen the resurrected Christ the entire time and had at this point waited 50 days from his death. We don't know every single person's story who was in this room, but they were together waiting. That strikes me. Because it's hard for me to stay on track for 50 days. Can I get an amen from anybody out there? Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it is hard for me, if I go a couple weeks without reading my word, to keep my attitude in a good spot. Can I get an amen from anybody? It's hard for me when I'm confused and I don't know what is the next step and God has not revealed to me what happens from here to keep my mind out of depression. Can I get an amen, anybody out there? It is hard for me to stay motivated when I don't feel like I know exactly what's going on, when I still have questions. How far would you have drifted in 50 days? And something big is about to happen, but I need you to understand that they have waited and they are together in great anticipation. They're not rolling dice. They're not taking a quick vacation to Vegas where what happens there stays there. They are staying focused on the Lord. And they do not yet have the Holy Spirit, if you're thinking that. They are waiting for God to do something because they know what their lives were like before he came. They know what their lives were like when he was there. And he said, wait, and so I'm just going to trust 
I have so much respect for these people. Because the Lord has told me many times to wait, but I feel like I didn't wait very well. Anybody? Is anybody, I mean, I mean, do we have, do we have anybody in the place that suffers psychologically at all, at any point? Mental illness, depression, anxieties, Anybody feel like you have a false prophet living between your ears? Can I get an amen, somebody? We need to testify this because there are people in here today who think that they're crazy. There are people in here who walked in going, man, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to feel the joy of the Lord, but I don't feel it like I must not be a Christian. And you're down on yourself because you can't get it right up here. Well, I want to tell you today, first of all, that I don't know if you're crazy or not, but you're no crazier than the rest of us, okay? So at least you're in good company. And if it's not good company, you're in my company, all right? So welcome to this train. But there's a big difference between the way that I wait and the way that they wait. And they're going to see something big. We're going we're gonna to experience this in just a moment, and hopefully you're going to experience this in life. But a lot of it has to do with the way that they waited And notice this, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. How many of you in your 50 days of waiting, now this is a proverbial, this is a metaphorical 50 days of waiting, but how many of you in your 50 days of waiting didn't wait with anyone, you went into isolation? Because we're from the dirty south. And so it's weakness to need somebody else. Let me tell you, you want to mature today? You want to grow spiritually today? Admit this to yourself. I can't do it alone. You will jump leaps and bounds today. I always thought if I can't do it alone, it's weakness. All the while, my weakness was thinking that I had to do it alone. I'm preaching, but I'm not hearing any amens. My weakness was thinking that I could do it by myself, thinking that I was weak if I couldn't do it by myself. The weakness is thinking that I'm supposed to do it myself. How arrogant of me. Adam and Eve fell to sin. Their kids fell to sin. Every human since then fell to sin, but I'm just going to muscle my way through it. Come on. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. We have to wait, and we have to wait well. They weren't in sin. They're waiting on the Father, even when they don't understand everything. But they didn't wait forever. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. He didn't leave them waiting. He left them waiting 10 days, which is the number of testimony. Okay, And then in verse 2, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven. I don't know. Like in my mind, they're all in a room dressed in robes. And togas and whatnot, and they've got out the little Chinese-looking fans. Is in my mind. They probably didn't have that, okay? We, we stole that. That's going to come later when Genghis Khan makes the trade routes, okay? But in my mind, they're up there just waiting, you know? And, and they're probably not saying much. 
They probably were. I'm just telling you what's in my mind. And then all of a sudden, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's unpack for a second, because I, I want to get ahead of myself, uh, but, but we have people in those rooms that are watching your kids, and they're like, one hour, it's all you got. <laughs> a lot just happened. Let's unpack this. This is what I believe to be, and if I'm, if I'm wrong, I don't think that I'm wrong or I would not teach this, but you guys weigh this for yourself. Write these scriptures down. There's a few things that are happening. See, a lot of, a lot of what Jesus did is symbolic because he came to a people who knew front and back the Old Testament in the original language. Remember, this is for you, but it ain't to you because you're not an ancient Hebrew speaker, <laughs> all right? But a lot of what happens here is going to be imagery, and it's going to be very on-the-nose imagery for them. So when we see repetition, repetition of numbers or, or imagery, symbolism in the Bible, we're always going to go back to where we're introduced to that, okay? And so I'm going to read this part again and see if you pick it up. Uh, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind, underline wind, came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire. Tongues, flames of fire, underline, that separated and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, because this is where, this is where we are alluding Two. This is this is what we're going back to, and see if you pick it up, okay? In and if you don't, that's okay. That's why I'm here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, this is creation. This is the creation story. This is where something new is being made. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. Darkness covered darkness. Where do we live? <laughs> what is this world? It's pretty dark. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, the word for them, for spirit, was ruach. Okay? I don't know exactly how to say it, but when in question, use as much phlegm as possible. That's how you speak Hebrew. Okay? So, uh, so the wind of God, the word ruach that we translate as spirit is wind. So, for example, like when God creates Adam, Adam, he forms him out of the earth, and then he breathes the ruach, the wind, into him. And so this word for wind is not necessarily just the wind, but like, like when the wind blows on the trees and the trees rustle, is that energy from the wind that makes the trees rustle. This is the spirit Okay, so even in Greek, when we translate uh, the word spirit, it comes from, I can't say it, the word where we get our word pneumatics, okay? This is where we get our, our word. And so you see the spirit of God is always the wind of God, the breath of God, 
right? And so uh, we have the, de- uh, the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was morning one day. God is beginning to build something in Genesis, but then we're going to use a lot of the same imagery in Acts, and what we have here is what theologians call a recreation story. God is doing something new. He is recreating. That's why Jesus is called the better Adam, because Adam was in the beginning. He was the first, right? And so he has a chance to recreate and make everything anew, make everything for the first time. And so Adam got a chance, and then later, later everything gets wiped off, and you have Noah, and he gets a chance, and so on and so forth. And there are many people who are going to get to restart everything, but all of them fail, which is why Jesus is the better Adam. And he is recreating something, but here these men waiting these women who are waiting, if there are women there, we assume that there are, uh, get to recreate. God is going to recreate and he is going to do it through them. So you see the, a mighty rushing wind, right? Well, what are they being introduced here? The Spirit of God. This is coming in. You see, uh, you see tongues of fire. And in the beginning when God created, he spoke. Let there be light. You have light coming, which is the gospel. He's creating something new. Also, and Pastor Dusty caught me onto this, if you rock along a few chapters in the book of Genesis, you get to something. If you've never read, it's okay. You know this just from uh, just, just because you live in Texas and you've heard it. Uh, you get to this story of the Tower of Babylon, where God, where God sees that the people are all working in unison to take over something. They're trying to take over God. They're trying to build to the heavens. They're trying to be gods themselves. And God confuses their languages to disseminate the people, to disperse the people. And in this recreation, he now allows these tongues to be spoken. And you'll find out in a little bit, as they speak in these tongues... They speak one tongue, but everyone can hear them, which is exactly opposite of the Tower of Babel. God is making things new. He is restoring people and their purpose. He is giving man the priesthood. He is saying, now you can build that tower, but you build it for me. And so all these tongues that were dispersed are now being built back up into one holy temple. Okay, so theologically, I want you to see what's going on. You have a recreation that is happening. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. So God is creating something that you already get to experience. The kingdom of God is already here. It is not yet in fullness because we are not standing in the presence of God in his place. We are not standing in heaven with God. Yet the kingdom of God has come to us. 
And so we say the kingdom of heaven is already, but not yet. Okay? It's already here. It's already with us. We can experience the peace of God in the midst of turmoil. We can have light in the midst of darkness, yet it is not in fullness yet. Okay? Theologically, I think this is what's going on. There's something big, and you're part of it. Do you notice that? God spoke and said to let there be light, but now he begins to speak. To, to, to come into man, and the men will now speak, and they will bring the light of the gospel. The light in the word always means the gospel, the good news, the peace of Jesus. And so uh, they are going to now speak it. So God is creating something, and he's doing it in you and then through you. It isn't you. <laughs> it's through you. Luke 5.31, Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is where we get that he is the great physician, okay? So it's not you, it's through you. For example, if I take you to the doctor, I got to play a part but I didn't heal you, okay? So as we see God recreating things and he's going to use us, understand that your part in that is not the great physician. So take a sigh of relief if you have held yourself responsible for someone else's salvation. You're not the doctor. You're the driver. That's it. Now we need to be obedient to what we are called to do, and we have a part and we need to do it. Someone needs to take you to the hospital. Jesus says, how will they know unless someone tells them, right? We are supposed to bring them to the Father, to the great physician, but we are not the physician. Jesus is. Let's use this metaphor for just a moment. If I'm going to the doctor, the first thing I have to do and, and you're going to laugh at me. You're going to laugh at me, but I, I'm, I'm going to warn you in advance, don't. The first thing I have to do is admit I'm sick. Anybody? I hope my dad is watching online, okay? And I'm not talking about spiritually. I'm talking literally. That man will never admit he's sick. I've seen him go to work. He's like, Dad, your back's broken. I'll walk it off. The first thing you have to do is admit that you are sick. So when I admit that I'm sick, and sick enough to go to the doctor, that means I have tried, I have OD'd on Advil Tylenol. It's not helping. I can't heal myself. I have something wrong with me, amen, somebody. I have something wrong with me that I can't fix. Anybody? I have, so I've tried. I've tried to sleep it off. I've tried to walk it off. I've tried to drink it off. I've tried to think it off. I've tried to tell myself it's not real and I am sick and I can't heal myself. I have to admit that I'm sick to go to the doctor. The second thing is I have to hear what the doctor says 
Not what I want him to say. My whole life, I have waited to go to the doctor and him go, my gosh, I can't believe you lived through this. You must be the toughest man I ever met. The good news is it's all over now. (laughs) Never once. Never once has he said that. And so I have to hear what the doctor says, not what I want the doctor to say. In this analogy, we have a perfect doctor who knows what's wrong with you. Okay, so we have to heed his advice, not what we want him to say, and not what someone else said that he said. I'm not against anybody looking up sermons online. I'm not against those things at all. But there is no substitution for hearing straight from the Father. There is no substitution. I am your cheerleader. This is a pep squad. If I wouldn't pull something, I'd do a toe touch for you right now. I want to pump you up, but I cannot take you deep like he will take you deep because he speaks straight inside of you. The word of God is powerful and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to cut through joint and marrow. You know what that means? Your very inner frame, he gets to the bone, not to the bone, in the bone. He will talk to you from your innermost self, and he will heal you. I have to hear what the doctor says, not what I want him to say. And I have to to follow the doctor's orders. I have claimed the doctor's healing without taking the doctor's prescription too many times. Bro, and we're all human. Just call it what it is. Listen, I am frustrated with myself right now because I'm not gaining any muscle and I'm gaining a lot of weight. I haven't worked out in a month, and this, this week I hit a low point. I microwave taquitos <laughs> for lunch, okay? Call it what it is, it's my fault. It's my fault, So if we can say that in the kitchen, if we can say that in the gym, we need to be able to say that spiritually. Okay? Now, we've all done it. Nobody's perfect. Dude, if you're perfect, you ruined the whole thing that we had. We were seven years and one month consistent of straight sinners in this building. Nobody but. You have blown our streak. If you were perfect, you wouldn't need to be here, and you wouldn't need Jesus. But every sin separates us from God, and so we need Jesus. So I'm saying we need it, but you have to take the doctor's orders. And so we get into this upper room where they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit in righteousness. They're not sinning when they're there. Let me get back on track. He is the great physician. We are not the great physician. People may sarcastic, oh, pastor, you came to save Ranger, huh? No. No. You think I can save anybody? How rude of you. That is a pressure that I cannot bear. Not only am I not the great physician, I'm a patient. All I can tell you is he did a great job on my surgery. I know where to recommend you. I will drive you. But I'm not the physician. 
doctor. I'm not a nurse. I don't even work security there. I'll take you. I can't heal you. In fact, when we rely on it, just a I mean, quick commercial break, when we rely on people to heal us, and that's rude. That's why some marriages are falling apart because you have problems instead of addressing them yourself. You rely on your spouse to heal you. So now they have their problems and your problems. That's just mean. We can even do that to a church as well. Man, I went there and they didn't fix any of my stuff. You know a church is people, right? And that's, that's Jesus that's going to do that. And so we have to listen to the doctor and we have to take the doctor's orders. He's the one that does that. If we put that pressure on somebody else, unfair. But I can say that I would be dead if it weren't for my doctor. And I want you to try it. Now, let's talk about him for just a minute. Because here's the reality. Okay, preacher. I tried that. And he didn't fix everything. First thing I'm going to ask you to do is the same thing I ask myself to do. Are you being honest? Did you actually try? Okay? Because the Lord tells us often, hey, here are things that you do. If you do these things, I will not hear your prayer. Okay? He's not going to ask you. I cannot live in sin. I cannot sow. Can, can I just, y'all, y'all get it, right? Like I'm just. I cannot sow seeds of unrighteousness and expect to reap righteousness. Okay? So just, just be honest because we all have to do that. I'm not putting that on anybody. I'm just saying, first off, be honest. But many people will say, dude, I gave it a good run. And listen, something is still there. Uh, Paul had the same experience. Jesus would not heal everything for him. This is what he writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. What was it? We don't know. It doesn't matter. That's just a distraction. It doesn't matter what it was. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. I need you to understand that your doctor says that some of the things that are wrong with you, you need. That's hard. But some of the things that are wrong with you, you need. Don't know why? I just have to trust him for that. But I suppose that there's a level of brokenness that we just cannot take out of the world. And if you have no ailment, if you had affliction, if you did not fear your own mortality, you would not run to the Savior. But that's not what I heard on TV. <laughs> right? These men received the Holy Spirit, and then they began to go out and speak in tongues. And so, so I'm supposed to be like, man, on, on earth it is, as it is in heaven, right? Going to be no pain, no weakness in heaven, so I don't want any here now. Man, keep praying that way. Yes, I want God to heal you. I want God to take all those things away. Understand that many times he just says no, but if you think the Holy Spirit came for party tricks, listen to what it says the Holy Spirit does. John 14, 26, he teaches all things. Romans 8, 26, help in our weakness. Galatians chapter 5, he produces fruit in you. Isaiah eleven two. 2, he brings wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might. 
knowledge and fear of the Lord. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He brings power to witness. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. He brings freedom. John 16, 12. He guides you into the truth and he glorifies Christ in you. John 7, 15. He convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Where's the party tricks in that? Now, I'm not saying that the gifts of the Spirit aren't there, but the Holy Spirit's job to do in you is to put an intrinsic change in your heart. So if we see this and you're expecting the party tricks, that is not what God does here for us. He's not here to entertain us. He's here to lead us to him. So if you have a job to do, he's going to keep you healthy enough to do it. And that includes, ding, that includes your mind. So does the Holy Spirit care about your anxiety? Does he care about your depression? Does he care about all of these things? Yes, then why do I still have it? Hold on, hold on. Because for many of you, he will take some of these things away. Completely. It's not, I mean, we have stories of this place in here. Hey, the Lord took me and I never, never wanted another drink. I never had another bout of depression. That is kind of a minority case, though. For most of us, and maybe you can say this, I still battle with fill in the blank. But now, I'm not alone. It doesn't last as long. I have a way out. I have hope in time of need. I have a family who surrounds me. I have the Holy Spirit who convicts me where I used to. I just accepted this was, was part of life. And so now I have conviction of doing it. I have the Holy Spirit stopping me. Some of you can honestly say, I would be right back in it, but as soon as I tried, the phone rang. I'd be right back in it, but then my computer just shut down on me. I would be right back in it, but the Lord stopped me. I would have killed somebody on the road, but all these things happened. You got help now. Can we acknowledge that? Okay, so maybe it wasn't all taken away, but I need you to understand that you probably, if that's the case, you didn't need it to all be taken away. Because then we, when we suffer from no infirmities, we don't need him anymore. If all the wolves are taken away, the sheep go out to play. Feel like they don't need the shepherd. Do you suffer from depression, anxiety, dry eyes, <laughs> cancer? Christians do. You feel like somehow you're not spiritual enough because you still have problems. You're seeing it wrong. You still live in this world. The kingdom of God is already, but it's not yet full. So you're still going to have problems. You just got somebody to walk with you now. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Remember, Jesus told him when he left, all power and authority is given to me. And he told him what to do, and he said, behold, I will be with you even to the end of the age. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And even though you have been back into the gutter, even after you swore you would never be again, this is what we can't understand. Our God was with us in the gutter. We blamed him for the gutter, 
even though I ran for it like a child at a slip and slide. He didn't take the gutter away. He just went with me in it. Sin with me? No. Condone the sin? Uh-uh. Punish me? Mm-hmm. With me? Absolutely. Some stuff he'll take away, some stuff he won't, but he'll be with you through all of it. See, it's different now. Because a violent rushing wind came in on the day of Pentecost, and Jesus said, it's good that I leave you because once I leave you, I will send to you a counselor. Some of your scriptures will say an advocate. The word in, in Greek is paraclete. And, and literally the way that we would probably most often use it, get this, we'll send you an attorney. We'll send somebody there to rush to your aid in your time of need. For you? Kind of. It's for him. You're his child. So what is the point? The point is, if you walked into this place today needing help, help is available. The point is that help has always been available. He is there for you. That's what the book of Acts is, is a testimony of God being there for people. A lot of people read the book of Acts and say, this is how life is supposed to work. No, 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 no. The book of Acts is not a is not a prescription for how you're supposed to do things. It's a description of what happened. And you will get your own version of what happens in your day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes to you and leads you, but you have to be waiting in righteousness. He doesn't play with us in sin. Be there for you, yes, but to correct, rebuke, train. Not to do it with us cannot wait to see what will happen when the Holy Spirit comes to you. Okay, now, I'm excited about this, all right, because uh, I have a friend today. Calvin, can I start with you today? I have a friend who wants to be baptized today, and his family is here, and uh, behind his back, his sister and I had many conversations uh, about Calvin and uh, they, were, they were lively conversations because uh, Calvin, Lane, will you bring me that microphone, please? Uh, go ahead and step over here, my friend. Uh, because Calvin is pretty new. Uh, now, grew up, you, went to, you did the whole church thing when you were young, right? I'm going to yes. give you this for just a second. Uh, but Calvin decided, you know what? I've weighed everything, and there is no God. Is that fair? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, and so just how long ago? Years at 23, that was nine years ago. Nine years ago, I walked away. Okay, yeah, nine years ago. And then months ago. About five, four. About, yeah, so four or five months ago, he gives me a call, and I'm like, check it, like, that's Calvin? <laughs> and, and, and he begins to entertain, there might be something there. And this has started an entire journey for you, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so, th- th- and this is awesome. I'm sorry I'm taking, I'm taking too long, but uh, 
Calvin calls me and I said, listen, here's, here's some scripture to read. Read some scripture. And I call him the first week. And uh, he's like, I, I haven't really gotten into it yet. And I was like, I don't know if this guy's serious, you know. And I called him the second week, and he said, well, I've been super busy. I haven't really gotten into my scripture yet, but I will not do that again. And so I call him the third week, and I said, Calvin, have you, have you gotten a chance to take a look at John? And by that point, he had already read all the Gospels, okay? And uh, yeah, yeah, he says, he says failure's not an option, right? So, so I began to read and just take over, and, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Every day. Every day. It's incredible. It's incredible. So uh, the Holy Spirit is there. Yes, sir. You're still human, still have a lot of the same things that you had, but there's just something different, right? Yes, sir. This is a testimony. So I ask you in front of your family before we do this, uh, have you accepted Jesus, not only as your Savior so that you can go to heaven, but your Lord, boss, as you're here on earth, have you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior? With all my heart, yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you guys hear that? I'm going to ask you to go ahead and sit down on, on this end facing that way, and I'll dip you backwards here. Don't, don't, get, don't get scared. I'll hold everybody under for three seconds. Jesus, three days, you could do three seconds. All right, go ahead and sit on your, on your butt right there. All right, so uh, this is a picture of us dying, so I'm going to fully immerse you uh, for three seconds, and uh, you're going to die, and when I bring you back, you are, you are new. This is symbolic. This is symbolic of me dying to myself, coming back new, and also, it's a bath. Sins are taken away, okay? So, uh, Calvin, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Proud of you. Proud of you. Okay, now this is super special. Who's going first? Awesome. All right. Okay. Man, go ahead and come up. Go ahead and come up. Let's just, let's just do this. All right. Um, we have just incredibly uh, husband and wife coming saying, uh, give my life to Jesus. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. And so just as Adam and Eve were made side by side, you see them walking side by side, building one another, lifting one another up uh, towards the Father. So, uh, Sarah, I'm going to ask you have, you, have you asked Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior? Yes, sir. Okay. So you're willing to take his will over yours? Yes, sir. Okay. How cool is that? <laughs> I love it. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand in here. Excellent. Okay. Now sit down right here and don't freak out. Three seconds. Okay. You'll see when people panic because you'll see their feet come up. <laughs> All right. So it is my honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Man, proud of you. Excellent job. Man, and how cool is this? Listen, they have, they have children, and they say, hey, not only are we going to lead one another uh, well, but 
we have a family that we're going to lead to Jesus. I mean, there's such a win today, such a win. Matt, come on, my man. All right, now I'm going to ask you this. I wasn't willing to risk anybody else, but you're a risk I'm willing to take. I'm going to have you a microphone in the water. Um, it's cordless. Double A is not going to get you. Uh, I'm going to ask you in front of your family, have you accepted Jesus as both Lord and Savior? Yes, sir, I have. All right. You guys hear that? Man, he's fired up. They're serving in the church. I could not be more proud of you. Worship team, y'all go ahead and make your way up. All right, have a seat. Here we go. Upon your confession, my brother, it's my honor to baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus. Excellent, man. Proud of you, brother. Proud of you. Awesome. So good, so good. All right, hey, um, baskets are going to come up. That's, that's part of the way that we worship is through our tithe and offering. But also, uh, man, put, this, put, put it on your connection card. If there's something that we can uh, walk with you in, uh, we want to do that. Uh, two things that I want to say. If you say, you know what, I need to stop doing things alone, Tuesday night right here in this building, we have the vine. Uh, starts at what time? At 6.30, 6.30 in the o'clock p.m., uh, the vine right here. And so this is a support for anyone who is caught in addiction. What addiction? Does not matter. Uh, but if you're tired of trying it alone, uh, there is great support here through a very strong group. Uh, we have life groups that are beginning tonight. I want to make special note of this. Uh, a really, really good study that I've done uh, called Kingdom Man. My brother Randy is leading a group just for men just for men. Okay, we have a Just for Women's group on, on Wednesday. Uh, but Just for Men uh, tonight called Kingdom Man. Man, pick up that form in your seat. I would love for you guys to be here at 6 o'clock tonight uh, meeting Randy uh, right here to do this Kingdom Man study. Also, uh, we have uh, life groups. I know that uh, those are all going to just be awesome. And I'm really pumped about that and excited to see God stirring in so many men. So really encourage you uh, to, to jump into a life group and let somebody walk with you uh, on your way to the doctor, all right? So uh, please stand and worship with us.